0: Hello, welcome to the Professional Insights Podcast. Uh, thank you for tuning in to season three. Um, it's a uh, pleasure to have a couple of uh, distinguished guests on throughout the afternoons that we're recording, which is great. So we'll get it all started. My name's Brandon Curry.
1: I'm Jeff Collins, Josh Bond, and Trevor Lindy.
0: Our first guest, uh, it, who's been a, is, is a frequent on our, on our um, podcast, uh, especially since we've started uh, working from home. Uh, is Grant LaFresh LaFlesh from the Niagara Dailies?
1: <laughs> LaFlesh. Hey. Laflesh. Hey.
0: <laughs> um award winning. Uh, journalist. Yes? Yes, indeed. Not the Peabody Award or anything like that. No. No, no wrong, we're totally wrong profession. Hey, you know what? I I do finance. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
2: what is it? What's the award again? Uh, is a national it's, award. I've I've won Ontario newspaper awards, national newspaper awards. I'm a Michener nominee, which is the uh, equivalent of the Pulitzer for Canada. Mm. Uh, Canadian Association of Journalists, Canadian Journalists Federation. I've got a you can't see it, but my wall of conquest is is on the other side of the computer
0: screen. Wall of conquest, I love wall, it. Wall of conquest. <laughs> you no, know, Jeff, he's talking about articles he's won and awards. <laughs> Yeah, not that. Uh, no, yeah, yeah not, uh, uh, not, yeah, uh, yeah, no. I, I wasn't
3: even thinking that, but I see where your brain goes, Brandon. Well, yeah, yeah. Where,
0: uh, <laughs> uh, right. it's... Um, so there's a couple things we want to touch on because you are on a tight schedule because you've got you're working on a, a bunch of stories simultaneously, I know, right now, based on your Twitter account, yeah, uh, that we we all follow, um, at Grant Rants if you wanted to follow them, uh. The first is, I, well, we'll briefly touch on Section 22 ruling in Niagara, specifically, because this is where we're recording, and uh, the special counsel meeting I was following you on Thursday night while watching Dr. Herjee.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, and, you know, obviously, I, I, you were ma- you were mentioning, you know, basically, counsel's motion is toothless based on the ruling in Ontario that, you know, basically, Dr. Herjee has... And, and any uh, chief medical officer in any, any region has these powers. Correct.
4: Let's,
1: just, let's just back up the bus a little bit. Just yeah. by chance, maybe our listeners okay. just, maybe aren't brought up to speed exactly with respect to what the ruling was.
0: Okay, I so heard you Grant, go ahead.
2: Yeah, sure. So um, as the post-summer wave of COVID-19 really began to pick up steam, um, as you probably know, when new COVID cases are uh, found, one of the things the public health department does is called contact tracing. They go to the person who's been infected, and they then try to figure out, well, who is that person? Where did they potentially get infected? Who have they been in contact with? Anybody who's um, uh, been exposed will have to get tested as well in many cases, and they try to determine where the virus is spreading. Um, what the public health department found was that a, there, there are two key things about this post-summer wave that you have to keep in mind. One is who is getting sick, right? The primary driver of cases since September have been people under 40, particularly people in their 20s. That's the first part. Second part is where are they getting sick? There's three places that they've been spreading the virus amongst their demographic. Bars, restaurants, house parties. So as case counts began to rise, um, the acting medical officer of health, Dr. Mustafa Herji, made a section 22 order under the Ontario Health uh, Protection and Promotion Act, uh, which gives him fairly broad authority to take actions to limit the spread of a communicable disease. And he placed um, new uh, measures that impact restaurants and bars that um, in an attempt to reduce gatherings that would uh, spread COVID-19 and continue uh, you know, what was happening in our community. So it was an effort to tamp down uh, the spread of the virus. There was uh, sort of immediate backlash from some in the industry, restaurant and bar industry, and from some politicians, much of which, if you were following my Twitter account, uh, as you mentioned, was grossly misinformed. And so our job at the newspaper was sort of twofold. We had to report on what was happening, but then we had to fact check restaurateurs, bar owners, and politicians alike.
0: So I, I was watching Dr. Herji, and he showed a five-week rolling stat as at his presentation, if you recall, right? It was five weeks of rolling data. And in those five weeks, 41 people were infected at, at, at a restaurant and or bar, correct? That, that no, was so, what he so presented.
2: No, no. So what you're talking about is that was a specific cluster. That was what we ended up calling the Niagara Superspreader Cluster. So that was one group of 20 you know 21 I think the median age of that cluster which is not the totality he was using that as an example but that was the uh, the super spreader cluster started in early october was this median age of people who were 24. they ended up spreading the virus to eight niagara communities they hit i don't have the numbers in front of me but they hit uh several workplaces a whole pile of restaurants a whole pile of bars and ultimately got to spread the virus into two long-term care homes. That's true. Yep. I mean, this was a this was as vivid an example as this community could have about what happens with unrestrained spread of the virus. So that was not the totality of it. That that it wasn't a 5-week rolling stat. That was his breakdown of the super spreader cluster itself um, that and 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 how and where that that was spreading.
0: Now, my my question to that though since this has been informed i have always said and I, you have probably heard me on the radio or whatever start finding people i'm sick and tired of of these, these these super like start finding people and because if if we use the analogy of driving a car the speed limit is the you know the gathering limit the seat belts the mask right and in a in a roundabout way um But if I violate the speed limit, or if I decide to drink and drive at a bar, well, not everyone loses their license, and not
2: all the bars get shut down. But this is where your analogy fails. And I've seen people try to make this argument, because there's this idea that uh, there should be no restrictions placed on restaurants at all. It's not their fault. I mean, you know, Jim Diodati was saying false things. For the the record, I don't agree with no restrictions. I do not agree with right, that. But, but, but the argument that you're making makes it just doesn't it doesn't hold together. One of the reasons is if you're speeding on the highway, a cop with a radar gun can see you as the speeder and pull you over. When you go into a restaurant or a bar uh, or a house party and you are asymptomatic, there's no outward sign that you are transmitting the virus. There's no outward sign. So there's no metaphorical radar gun that's gonna find you in order to uh, identify you as an offender. The problem is this. The virus was, it, it was and is spreading amongst these clusters of people who were going to bars and restaurants. They, were, they have these large sprawling social circles and they're spreading the virus amongst themselves. Then they take it home, then they take it to their workplace and then they hit long-term care homes which has, by the by, lethal consequences because of those are our most vulnerable citizens. So you had to do something. The, the bars and restaurants were following the rules. It was the patrons who weren't following. The that's rules. right, that's right. You have to do something to change people's behavior. One of the things we've learned in this look, this pandemic has put a mirror up to society and the reflection that has come back is not a necessarily very pretty one. Mm-hmm. There are lots of people who don't take it seriously who spread misinformation, and who just simply ignore the rules to keep other people safe because they don't care. Studies done, and I've written about this on uh, these 20-somethings, their, their viewpoint is really not beyond the tip of their own notes. I'm in my 20s. The odds of me developing really serious complications from COVID-19 are small, so therefore it doesn't matter. So they go and they have not just large groups at home, they're meeting with multiple different social circles. That was the problem. Now, how do you contain that? It's not an issue of speeding on the highway. The mask is not the seatbelt. It's the fundamental behavior of trying to stop something you can't see and detect until somebody's sick. And the virus was spreading and spreading and spreading. The, the, The alternative is, and I've been saying this from the start, is if you don't take these kind of actions now, what do you think will happen if we're back in a full lockdown? Look at Toronto, look at Peel, look at Erie County. We're, we're this close. We're, we dance on the knife's edge of tipping over and being like those communities. So I understand that, you know, a lot of businesses, restaurants and bars in particular, have been suffering through this pandemic. But it could get worse unless people smarten up.
3: I think there's no way we're not going to a full lockdown in Niagara. I think we're going to get a month of it at least. It's inevitable. Especially after Christmas, because people are going to gather no matter what during Christmas, and it's coming. Well, that's, that's, what I, that's my
2: opinion. When, when, you talk about the, when I talk about the reflection that's being held up to society by the pandemic, the fact that people do not have the kind of fortitude to say, this is a serious thing. I'm going to forego a big Christmas dinner this year. I'm not going to go out to a house party this year. The, the attitude is more like m- me. What, what makes me feel the best? Having a big gathering. I mean, I had a story yesterday, for instance, where um, there was a, uh, this comes out of public health data. There was a local family that had a family gathering. They thought it was safe, you know, in quotation, mm. because it was their family. They brought in a couple of relatives from outside Niagara from the GTA. Yeah. One of those people had COVID-19. Now, three quarters of that entire family has COVID-19. Two of them are in hospital on ventilators. I mean, those are the consequences we're playing with.
1: Yeah. But (laughs) Grant, yeah. You might have heard me say this before. The listeners might have. There's an 80-20 rule that generally resonates throughout everybody's lives. So I would gather that 20% of the population is actually taking this serious to the extent that they should be. Just like twenty,
3: I bet you more than that are taking it serious. The twenty percent that aren't taking it serious is going to kill everybody. That's
2: the problem. Yeah, and I think I think I think Jeff is probably more on the ball. I mean, it's hard to know precisely um, what we do see from public health data, though. Is like, you don't want to say it's all twenty somethings that are the problem, but it's enough of them. You know that twenty percent, or you know whatever that figure is, because it's a communicable disease. That spreads very easily in close contact. Uh, that yeah, I mean, those are the ones. Th- that subset of twenty-year-olds, probably less than twenty percent of the total population, are the ones who are causing the problem. So here's
0: here's my rebuttal, though, to section twenty-two, and only one of them. Like I like you've actually put a, a good re- a good analogy back at me, which I, I, I that's actually a really good one. I never thought of it that way. Is it's not enforceable. I, you and I walk in together. To, to go eat. We say that we live in the same address. They legally can't check my driver's license. They legally cannot check anything, even though under the liquor Act, they technically can, because I don't know why the same enforcement, uh, you know, I've, I've willfully given my phone number, email phone. Call, like I, I abide by it. And only because my father just got over COVID-19. Really? My mom and dad both uh, are, were so strict. It's not even funny. They're 64. They're, they're already because of their age of high risk. Dad does not know where the heck he got it. Hmm. Right. Has no idea. Cannot. Um, he thinks he caught it. Now he is an essential worker. He thinks he caught it, uh, in the U S, um, is where he thought he caught it. But even then he drove by himself, stayed in his own hotel room, wore a mask, wore gloves, wore PPE everywhere he went. Like he honestly does not know how the heck he got it. Mom tested negative, so thank God for that. But my, my the thing is, is that people can still lie, and even if we look at today when we're recording, which is December second, the case rates in, in December or uh, in Niagara have not gone down, because I do understand where some of the restaurant tours were coming from, which were
2: well. Just, I gotta I, I, guess, guess I gotta I gotta stop there, down. Brandon, because again. You know, one of my frustrations as a journalist is the degree to which people don't understand the data. So, you know, I'm glad that your dad recovered. It's good that your mom uh, didn't catch it. I mean, one of the things about a communicable respiratory virus, you make one teeny slip up in the wrong environment. Yes. One of the things that drives infections is it's um, close contact. Are we close together? Yep. Are you what kind of space are you in if you're in a small space? And what's the ventilation like? Right. Which is why outdoors, it's, it's harder, not impossible, but harder for the virus to transmit. Yes, that's correct. They, we were all sitting around my kitchen table. So there's that. Um, so you, your dad, somewhere along the way, I mean, I've talked to doctors and nurses who have got the virus, who had to figure out somewhere along the way when I was taking my stuff off, my, my PPE off, that I make a mistake? That's likely how they got exposed. Yep. You say that the, 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 the rates haven't gone down in Niagara. That's actually not true. The rates have gone down. Um, we were at we were at a point where we were looking at a you know a kind of a daily average uh, with outbreak cases of something like 30 plus a day. And now we're closer to like high teens, low 20s. So there's already there been- a
1: small stretch there, right? There was a small stretch yeah, where we were. There was a the the stretch, which
2: is when Her- which is when decided to drop the hammer. The other thing to remember about the data is that it's an echo, it's not real time. So right. consider the time. If, 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 if you got infected today, Josh, say, you probably will not exhibit symptoms for anywhere from seven days to two weeks, assuming you develop any symptoms at all. If you're one of the lucky ones who don't and you just like, yeah, had a headache and that was it. So then so let's say in a five to seven day period, then you start feeling sick. You're like, oh my God, could this be COVID? You get screened, you get tested, you get your test result back. Well, now you're at a eight to you know, 10 day window, depending. Uh, and then they have to contact trace you, and that can take a couple of days. So it's, it, they, the data is never real time. So when you want to know, um, for instance, if, if the orders on restaurants have an effect, or whether Code Orange has an effect, or whether a full lockdown has an effect, um, it's kind of like trying to stop a ship going full steam in the water. You can switch the engines off, but it's not like stopping a car. That thing is going to drift for a while. So when you look at the data, you can't just say, well, heard you put this thing in last week or whatever, and I don't see an effect in the data. You have to wait three, four, even five weeks to start to see if, if all of these measures cumulatively ha- had an effect. And you have to keep that in mind because there's a lot of people, particularly on the restaurant side of things right now, who misinterpret data in such a gross fashion.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: They're not the really making sense.
1: Realistically, though, you would figure out, you know, say from one of these measures coming in, realistically, from a 28-day period, you should see most of the effect that it's going to have, right? For the, for the most part, because you've got that yeah, all, kind all of
2: 14-14. Yeah, all things being equal. Um, I mean, the big one to watch, of course, is, is code orange. I mean, Herji's measures are, are you know, could be effective. The, 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 the umbrella one is, is code orange. Uh, and see where where things are at in, in 2018. Why, when you look at Melbourne, which just went through a severe lockdown yes. right, in Australia, they actually brought the case counts down to zero. Um, and, and they they were able to do a much more, they're starting to do a much more, they had a rugby game, I think last week, the week before, with fans. Because there were no cases to, to speak of. Because they took it so seriously, and they were so severe. Unfortunately, see? with a respiratory virus, half measures just don't get you very far.
1: I was going to say, I mean, the difficulty is there's so many difficulties involved. We were uh, give a tangible example. Somebody in my, my daughter's class had it. So the father had it. Yeah. So the kid came in to school on Monday morning by noon, they pulled the kid out. We didn't hear from the school. We didn't hear from Niagara public health until the following monday evening mm-hmm. so and then had it and spread it but yeah. it's
2: not 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 anybody's fault it's just well one of the one of the things that's happened you know as our case counts have gotten higher is the ability of public health to contact trace depending on where they find that first infection right uh gets harder, and harder. when i when I started um, covering this, and I would have my daily conversations with public health, and I, you know they say there were ten cases that day, and they'd be able to say you know eight of them are from close contact, two are unknown, or you know whatever it is. Now it's more like well we only have information of five of twenty because these social circles are so big, and we still don't know where some of these infections come from, and so contact tracing is is slower and slower. Um, so yeah, I mean in some cases it's nobody's fault, like like Brandon's dad. It, he, you know thought he was doing everything right and so there's somewhere along the way where he got exposed and and didn't know it the the frustrating part is hergie's section twenty two orders would never have been necessary if that subset of younger adults weren't behaving the way they're behaving and nobody seems to want to talk about that oh the, I will <laughs> the, but the conversation is so much about like that mark wood guy who who yeah known very yeah I know him yep Dr. Herjie's in a narcissistic power trip. Justin Trudeau's a criminal, blah, blah. It's all nonsense. But the the focus should be on, like their anger should not be focused at uh, Dr. Herjie, I would submit. It should be at the subset of their customers who were so irresponsible in a public health crisis that they've put us in this position. Public health experts have been saying since the summer that the second wave doesn't have to be as bad as it could be if people would be responsible, and they're not.
0: So my only, so my only thing, I mean, people have, and I agree with everything you've said, I I do understand with what you're coming from, but I mean, if we put ourselves in the restaurateur's shoes and your livelihood is basically, you know, at the best of times we're talking two to 3% margins, you're at 8%, you're, you're doing extremely well and they're doing 60, 70, 80 hour weeks. You know that, uh, and your entire livelihood is getting ripped from underneath you. Absolutely. And and as a as a national winning journalist, I am asking you, and I know you and I know you have had some of these conversations. So I'm kind of being a bit cheeky here. I've seen no politician or bureaucrat take a pay cut. As a matter of fact, Welland Council gave themselves a pay raise True. during yeah. the pandemic. Yep. Yes. Complete BS. Uh. Pandemics, epidemics have been called by epidemiologists for the last 15 to 17 years. As a matter of fact, 2005, Dr. Teresa Tam co-authored the follow-up to the SARS epidemic with a whole bunch of recommendations. None of them were followed by both sides Absolutely. of the aisle and Absolutely. on all levels of government. Yeah, And so when you're a business owner and you pay your taxes, and we pay a ton in this country, and your politicians that you elect, even some that violate their own laws out in Niagara Falls. <laughs> Nothing <laughs> yeah. is, there's no accountability. Nope. The, the, death, the The death threats go against the restaurant, which is BS. Death threats is what he received. Um, wh- where is the accountability? Like wh- what, well, what's going to yeah. change? I mean, this I is, think that's this where is, the uh, anger comes from.
2: Well, the anger is coming from three places. And I think you hit, you. if we put aside the irrational, conspiracy theorist, Mark Woods, Toronto barbecue guy aside for a moment. And we the the systemic failures that you're talking about. I mean, one of the things that's absolutely true and you hit the nail on the head is that there have been experts warning us, warning governments for decades that sooner or later we were going to have another Spanish flu like pandemic. It's inevitable. Right. Right. Um, If you look in the United States, I mean, George W. Bush, for for all of his failings as a president, he created, his administration created an extraordinarily robust pandemic plan, later built upon by Obama, then then essentially cast into the waste heap by by the current administration. Um, In Canada, there haven't been failures to that degree, but there was not a robust kind of plan to pull off the shelf. Because this, is, this was not a mystery. No, I mean, yes, COVID-19, the novel coronavirus, is new. Yes, yes. But the plan wasn't there. We're seeing this right now, by the way, with um, the vaccine rollout. Um, you know, Pfizer and Moderna will likely be approved in Canada, you know, by the end of the year or early January. And then, you know, we're, right now, Canada is dependent on shipments of vaccine because we don't have the capacity to simply have it made here because succeeding generations of governments have simply not invested in it. So I mean, it, it. There was this willful blindness to the possibility that this would happen. I mean, experts have been saying it for years and years and years. So if I'm a business owner living through this, absolutely. If I saw well-in council giving themselves a raise, or you know, I hear about um, you know politicians who don't mask or go to the cottage or do the things that we're all supposed to avoid doing right now, I would be raging mad. I mean, I'm mad and I'm not a businessman. Um, so, I mean, that, there's a ton of frustration. That I think when this is over, you know, when we're finally out of this in, you know, late 2021 and into 2022, I think there has to be a reckoning. Um, well, I mean, just look at Taiwan.
3: Right?
2: Look at Taiwan. And, 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 and I know,
0: like, Jeff's wife is, is Taiwanese. They learned from SARS. And yeah. if you just, it, like, they learned from 2003. We did not...
2: Well, and, look at Taiwan, Vietnam. Yes, uh, you know the South, South Korean Korea have all done so much better than us uh, in terms of content. I mean, look, there's no debate in Taiwan or Vietnam about masks being an assault on your freedom. I mean, it's just, not, it's just nobody. Everybody realizes it's a totally absurd concept, right? And and one of the other frustrations, I guess, that I have, Brandon, to your point, is this. Um, where is the leadership politically, either locally, provincially, or federally, to rally the country? And this should have been done months ago. We knew a second wave was coming. We knew the winter was always going to be hard. And yet nobody seemed to find a way or even try to rally the country together to say, you know, this is our fight and we're drawing the line here. And these are all the things that we have to do. And, and nobody was leading by example. Nobody was... You know the fact that journalists have to spend an inordinate amount of time fact-checking mayors and premiers and and MPs uh, with their misinformation in, in an environment where so much disinformation is is out there. You can't rally people. Nobody's tried, and that's what needed to happen because the win- it, it, the winter could be so bad. If oh my God! So sort of. You know, in boxing, we have a phrase, right? It's called the championship rounds. In the old days, it used to be rounds 10 to 15 in the title fight. Now it's rounds 10 to 12. And those are the rounds when a fighter is exhausted, beaten down. All they want to do really is just lie down and quit. But they don't because they know they have to. They want to get through the fight on their feet. They got to fight through. They got to find it in themselves to fight through those rounds. We're in the rounds now. And, and the question really is, how much loss and suffering and death are we willing to carry on our shoulders between now and, say, the spring um, because we're being irresponsible and selfish?
3: So, I mean, so here's here's the million-dollar question, Grant. Yeah. The championship rounds are coming up. I'd say it's between Christmas and New Year's when everyone wants to get together. What do you think we should do or what, what should government do for Christmas?
2: I mean – Shut it down, Right. But what people, yeah, I mean, what you and I and and Brandon and, hi, Brandy, uh, and and everybody else should do is just, you know, put your mouthpiece in and hunker down. Yeah. You know, do not have a big Christmas gathering this Exactly. You can forego New Year's for one year. My goodness. We know the vaccines are coming. The only thing we don't know definitively is the timeline for Canada, you know, in terms of approvals, priorities, rollout, how some of that's going to work. That's all yet to be decided. But we know the vaccines are coming, which means the end of the pandemic is in sight. Um, If people disregard public health advice over the holidays, the restaurants that are suffering now, the restaurants and bars that are suffering now will go extinct for sure, because we'll be in a lockdown for 28 days. I mean, this is your business, Brandon. I mean, ask yourself, how many restaurants and bars would come out the other end of a a full 28 day lockdown? Now? No, no, no none, 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 none. So, you know, as a community, we have to understand two things. One, uh, take the bloody virus seriously. Stop fighting public health advice. Just bloody follow it. And if you do that, then you can actually go under those conditions and support your local restaurants and support your local businesses, etc. Um, within those rules and try to get us through you know to the spring and the fall when the vaccines will roll out the consequences of not doing that is just going to be horrible and it really does come down to individual choices and individual responsibility and and no longer tolerating you know the the disinformation and the childish stamping of feet because this is a crisis it's it's no longer about what makes me feel good it's about whether or not i inadvertently spread a virus to a vulnerable person who then dies like that's spreader cluster. I know I'm getting very very preachy here, but that super spreader cluster literally caused two long-term care homes to go into outbreak. And it is only by a sheer fluke that nobody in those particular two homes died. Yeah. But we've had 19 deaths. I haven't checked today's numbers yet, but we've had 19 deaths since October the 5th, almost all of them vulnerable people because younger folks were being stupid and irresponsible. Like my grandmother's
3: at Gilmore Lodge right now. They had a nice little. Oh my goodness! There. Yeah, it's a, it's,
2: I mean that, and that one's been going on for a while. How is she doing?
3: She, it, it was more the people in the the one ward where the dementia ward that got it all. She's not in there. She's more bedridden, so yeah. she's okay right now. But it's for our whole family. We're like, like, like my mom calling well, go visit through the window and all that. And the biggest problem for her, to be honest, is that no one comes to visit her. So she's like in a jail cell because they're really trying to stay away from her. So it's like. He's heartbroken. And, you know, with Christmas coming up and all that, This is for me, Christmas is almost like the final test, it feels like, it, it, to see how how dumb our society can really be. Yeah. And, and for me, I don't understand it because the big debate is the kids go back to school right after New Year's. And I think no matter what we think, the 80-20 rule, 20% of people are going to be having big gatherings. for Christmas. It's, That's it's my true. first opinion, at least. I say shut it down for at least two weeks after the new year. So at least if people have any kind of symptoms, hopefully it's gone before they go back in the public because otherwise we're just, we've got this crazy toxic formula that's coming up. that's just going to have super cases everywhere and clusters. And Oh my God, it's just, I I don't get it. I don't see, I don't see why we have to have it open. Let the kids learn from school from home for two weeks. Close Whatever you can.
2: You're right. No, you're right. It didn't have to be this way. And, you know, I try as much as I can, you know, I don't really go to restaurants, uh, but I do order from local, you know, local places that are chains to try to support, you know, the local economy and so on. And I encourage those who can um, to, to certainly do so. I mean, we have to do what we can to help our community get through this to the end of the day. But I mean, you're exactly right. I, we saw cases tick up over Labor after Labor Day. We saw them go up after Thanksgiving. Um, and we're I mean. It doesn't bode well for Christmas, uh, and it's discouraging. I mean, put it to you this way. Can you imagine living in London during the blitz of the Second World War, and some moron says to you, You know what I'm not going to turn my lights out at night because i'm not i don't I don't believe in the Luftwaffe and I don't believe in the bombs are going to get me, so it's my freedom to turn my lights out exactly I think because um the coronavirus, for, especially for younger, healthy people, does not have really severe uh, symptoms. And you can't see it. It's not like Ebola, right? If you get Ebola, people are bleeding from their eyes, dead in the streets. Uh, it's not like that. So people don't take it very seriously. And we've become a bit soft, I think, as a culture. We don't have the ability to rally in a crisis the way we used to. I mean, look, we've been through this before. In 1918, which was a much more severe pandemic. We got through it. it, wasn't the end of the universe. Um, but people just don't seem to have the fortitude, and, and I find it very discouraging. And I, I, I agree with Jeff, I'm very nervous about what, you know, kind of the first two weeks of January will look like as a consequence of, of people not taking public health uh, measures seriously.
1: Well Grant, I think you hit it on the head when you, I think the bulk of our society is more of a me society as opposed to a we society, right? Yeah, it's, and it's unfortunate. I, I,
0: I do think, though, I mean, I, I and, and we'll, we'll wrap this up because I know you got to go and you, you've got you got a very busy schedule. But I think also, too, a lot of this is because our governments never had a plan from the beginning. And so a lot of this flying by the seat of the pants and these willy nilly lockdowns and open up and we, you know, like I think people just have I mean, there's there's the nut jobs of society who think this is a conspiracy theory and all that kind of stuff fair. But I think a lot of people are just fatigued because it just seems as though when you've got Dr. Teresa Tam going on the record and saying, and Jeff and I actually had it out, not had it out, but we had it on a, a podcast. I said, if you remember Jeff, back in March, I had to eat crow because Dr. Teresa Tam said, why are you wearing masks? Masks don't have any, uh, it, if you remember, uh, masks don't, won't have any impact on a respiratory virus. I repeated that on our podcast because Jeff, whose wife is Taiwanese, learned from SARS and she had to wear masks. So that puts a lot of distrust into your public health officials when they're preaching one thing and then very like, and so what happens to Jeff's wife when she goes out and wears the masks? She gets targeted because our public health turns around and says, Oh, why the hell are they wearing a mask? That's stupid. So she's getting targeted for and and not even a month later we're all on a mask so like there's, it's it's, there's, this,
2: it's the lack yeah, of,
0: it's the lack of planning, it's the lack of having a consistent communication strategy so yeah, I mean there's a couple
2: of things there i mean one one is I don't know that anybody any authorities in Canada handled the early days of the pandemic particularly well. Um, the messaging was not great um. The, the one that really failed remember when they were talking about the social bubbles and you could have like 10 people yes and I mean that was you, that was just like it might as well have been written in ancient Sanskrit I mean, it, it was, you know, I mean we were talking to Dr. Herkey about it and he said like I he basically said I can't make heads and tails of it either and I'm the you know. um, so I mean there was some bad messaging and then you know sort of this inconsistent stuff where some businesses had to close but a very similar business didn't uh, early on, I mean, that also didn't make a lot of sense. Um, the other thing the public has a hard time with, and again, this is, I think, a consequence of our pop culture, really, and, and things, is that people expect science to be this very definitive thing that comes up with an answer. You know, I think Gene Rottenberry and Star Trek have a lot to answer for, because the doctor did not come up with a cure in, in 30 minutes or less. Um, it's a brand new virus, and the science has been evolving, Right. And so when you look at, for instance, one of the frustrations around masks that was particularly aimed at Dr. Herji, if you remember, was he refused to put a Section twenty issue Section twenty two order on masks. He could have, but he didn't do it because, from his point of view, the science was was only circumstantial, not definitive. Um, there has since been laboratory testing on masks that shows it protects you and protects me. Um, but that's that that repeatable experimental science wasn't there. So for a science driven mind like Dr. Herji's. He's, he's not gonna come down hard on something for which the data is not as robust as he would like. But the, the, the science of the virus has evolved. But when you combine poor messaging with the fact that what we know about the virus changes and so information out there changes, you're right, it, it, it contributes to the sense of distrust even amongst the non-loony bins, right? Yeah. The other thing though you gotta keep in mind is, you put all that, except con- all that context, public messaging was bad, uh, could have been more robust, There should have been a pandemic plan that could have pulled off the shelf and dusted it off. I mean, I talked to um, Lynn Guerrero early from Niagara Health early in the pandemic, and I said, where was the plan? She said, well, I would have thought there was one, but it turned out there wasn't. So put all that in context, though, here's the reality of it. This is the situation we're in. Mm -hmm. in Let's deal with it. Exactly. We're in it now. And so we can look back right now and say there was this failure and that failure, and that's all accurate. There's nothing, that's all facts. But the question isn't right now, what should have happened nine months ago? The question is, what gets us through the next nine months? How does our collective action prevent more businesses from closing, more people from being laid off, fewer people getting really, really sick, uh, fewer people dying? I mean, th- those are the con- I mean, It's a life and death thing that we're dealing with now. So
3: It's just through the holidays is the big question right now.
2: How do we yeah. make it through it? But, I mean, to Brandon's point, and, and, you know, maybe I can leave it here, is that there absolutely has to be a reckoning when this is all done. You know, th- there needs to be systemic changes in terms of pandemic planning on, on every possible level, and have, have a much more focused plan to pull off the shelf, because this won't be the last time this happens. Viruses are viruses. There'll be another one in the future. I mean, if we're lucky, it'll never happen again in our lifetime, but it could. So you need to have a robust plan. Um, all that has to happen. But right now, we need to worry about the six inches in front of our face. We have to get to the next month, the next week, the next couple of months without the virus spinning out of control again. And that's going to take some collective discipline and some collective action to mitigate the damage until we can finally get clear of this through vaccinations.
0: Well, we'll leave it there, Grant. We never even got to even touch on your second topic, but uh well we'll have oh. you on again
2: yeah i mean that's that just yeah that story is not that that'll have a, that's got a bit of legs to it too so that's not quite over
0: okay so we'll, we're going to be recording again and we'll definitely reach out to you and, and you'll have to kind of recap everybody again but that's fine thanks very much and i and i appreciate the the educated uh passionate uh but like you and i like we, we just we spar but like you know what i mean it's sparring but it's educated sparring it's not I saw something on YouTube and I I loved your analogies and and your rebuttals. They were really good and uh, made made me think, which is good, but in all in all, I think we're both on the same page. We just probably just are just kind of frustrated with everything that's going on right now. So I really appreciate you coming on and educating our listeners and and all that. My pleasure.
2: And listen, we will get through this. Yes. The end is coming. It's going to be a tough slog, but if, if people just kind of take a deep breath, you know, Make some personal sacrifices for now. Things will eventually get back to nearly normal, uh, but we just got to get there. We
3: need a three-month hibernation. That's what
2: we need, and we'll get through. Oh, it. hey, listen. If I could go to sleep and wake up like next March, yeah. I'd do it. Yeah, because uh, 2020, frankly, has been such a dumpster fire of a year in almost oh. every possible way that I mean, we could we could spend even more time just talking about the freak show south of the border. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, I'll be so glad. Honestly, I'll be so glad when we get to the end of next year because you know then we'll be so so much further along.
3: This is going to be the most exciting spring ever. I think people coming back out of the I'm
2: so excited to get a shot in my arm ever. (laughs) (laughs) like ever. I'm like when you hear like those yeah when you hear the when you hear I'm not gonna get the vaccine. I'm like good. Give me yours. Just
1: like (laughs) I'll
2: take every version of the vaccine. Like I don't care.
3: Yeah. Darwinism.
2: <laughs> okay. Thanks very much,
0: Grant. We really appreciate your time. Thanks, guys. for listen, going listen, a bit listen, overtime. And and Everybody man. be safe, okay?
3: Yeah, be safe. Yeah, thanks, guys.
4: Do, Did, Will, The Story of People podcast is now available on the Crier Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet, wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network.
0: The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton
2: Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit podcasts. I'm Matt Kandel from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod Six One Seven, the Boston Podcast Network.
3: And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts.
0: Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network.
2: Produced by
0: Cryer Media and distributed by the SoundOff Media Company.